0: Welcome to More Football. Great to have you with us as always. I'm your host, Adnan Burk, alongside Richard Johnson and Vach Lombardi. we got lots to talk about, including how could anyone not think Patrick Mahomes is the MVP of this league? But before we dive into the topics of the day, Vach, I want to start with you. How was Thanksgiving, my man? I want you to tell me some stories about stuffing mashed potatoes and gravy, maybe some apple pie with ice cream. How was it? Well, the problem is when I'm home and when I'm in
1: charge, right, I'm fasting. I'm trying to eat healthy. I'm trying not to put carbs into my life. But when I go into the deep, deep south. Like now, Texas is south, but when I go to Mississippi, south, 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 there's no diet in Mississippi, south, south, south. It was a lot of carbs, a lot of food, a lot of overeating, a lot of extra portions, and a lot of extra sleep that I didn't need. So I (laughs) enjoy my family,
0: but I'm a little thicker these days than I was before I left. Listen, the camera loves you, thankfully, so you look great. Uh, Rich, how about you? How was Thanksgiving for you? Deconstructed turkey
2: this year. Smaller Thanksgiving, obviously, didn't do a full bird. Deconstructed turkey. uh, I think it's a winner moving forward.
0: All right. Deconstructed Turkey. If you're not sure what that is, trust us. That's the way to go. Let's talk about some actual football, guys. And listen, it was great to actually have football, albeit those two games were not exactly world beaters whenever the Lions and the Cowboys are involved, particularly this season. But the main topic of conversation, guys, has been COVID-19, the way it's impacted football. Now, we know it was going to be a challenge this year. But I did not think we'd have a situation where the Denver Broncos would have all four quarterbacks unavailable to play because of COVID-19 and then three of the guys not wearing masks. Vic Fangio, just the head coach, did not complain. More disappointed the Broncos not following the protocols and not blame the league. San Francisco 49ers, they can't play at home right now. Santa Clara County, no, you're out for the next few weeks. Guess what? Enjoy Arizona. That's an issue going to be for the 49ers, a team that right now is trying to battle towards the playoffs. And then we have the Baltimore Ravens. We were all hyped up for Ravens and Steelers on Thanksgiving night. Instead, the Ravens have had 10 straight days of positive tests, three times have had this game postponed. Rich, I'll start with you. Why is it that the Ravens are getting more opportunities? Whereas the 49ers, they had a COVID-19 outbreak, they still had to play. The Broncos say we don't have a quarterback, you guys are gonna play. Does it make sense to you that Baltimore is being given more opportunities to field an appropriate team?
2: From a competitive advantage perspective, I'm not sure it makes a ton of sense because the Broncos were able to run out there without the most important position in the league at optimum level. But I I think that you have to figure that in this year, more than anything else, I don't think the NFL cares as much about competitive advantage as it does finishing the season relatively on time. For reasons I, I don't know if anybody can explain to me, we haven't sort of put a pause and bubbled everybody. We haven't. Uh, done a week 18 situation. I think maybe they will do that before week 17 and a hypothetical wildcard weekend to sort of press pause and get everybody in bubbles. I think when you talk about the Broncos and the Ravens, you sort of have to separate those situations because I think the league thinks that the Broncos COVID situation was, and I am using air quotes, under control. It was one position group. Uh, You know, you sort of take that whole position group out of the equation. The rest of the team's not positive or whatever. You don't have an issue there, and you run them out there with a practice squad wide receiver. The Ravens continue to pop positive as the week goes on, and because of that, the situation is not contained. Now, that leads you to the next logical step in the progression. Why are they playing on Wednesday? <laughs> Why are they playing after this show records? Uh, you know, it is it is a crazy season. It is wild. It is weird. Uh, we just have to roll with the punches here. And not every situation is the same, I think, is the, is the broadest point here.
1: I mean, I went to the social media machines and I reached out and I was asking people, I said, hey, why do the Raiders get their games pushed back? And why does everybody else have to play immediately? And I saw seven different answers. So I wish everybody would just say that they have no idea because I, I mean, there, there hasn't been any additional information on it. So we just have to roll with what we have to roll with. The Broncos, like they were punished, right? Like, oh, well, you didn't wear your mask. You didn't contain your quarterback room. So we're just gonna make you play with your running back and Phillip Lindsey and all those other guys, your practice wide receiver. So maybe that was a punishment of of some sort. Um, I saw some people say something along the lines of "Well, the ratings are. We, 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 we gotta have Ravens and Pittsburgh Steelers, but they're playing a game at three Eastern on a Wednesday. So it can't be very much so about Ravens. I mean, COVID, I mean, ratings like COVID is weird. It is very, very weird. I'm grateful to have football and I don't want it to be a situation like, oh, the Broncos are a bad team. Let's just let them play. The Ravens are a good team. Let's give them the chance to get it back because we're still going to get Robert Griffin III. I don't want it to be a situation like that, but it is a very, it is what it is type of year.
2: It's the Broncos mismanagement. Adnan's right about Messi. The Broncos mismanaged their situation. Plenty of teams have emergency quarterbacks who are not wide receivers, literal, actual quarterbacks who just practice off to the side, don't practice with the team, have a contingency plan just in case everything goes to crap. The Broncos did not do that. And mind you, it was reported the Broncos quarterback room were around the one Broncos quarterback who tested positive without masks. The Broncos are not blameless in this situation. There is something to be said for the fact that the Broncos put themselves in this situation,
0: and I think that's a big issue here. They're saying, "All right, carelessness, malfeasance—that's on you. You fix it." For the Ravens, I'm not sure why they're not being treated as severely, but I do appreciate the fact the league was like, "Hey, we don't care about competitive balance. If your team stinks, you have a quarterback. Deal with it." The other issue here, Fox and Richard alluded to this: is is it just inevitable that we're going to have a playoff bubble? This is like. You know the little engine that could. It's like I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. Let's just get to the finish line. Let's hope we can get these games in. Yeah, there's games on Wednesday afternoon because NBC doesn't want to impact. They got a, a tree being lit. Okay, whatever. Let's just get this thing to January. God willing, somehow we're going to get there. And then playoffs. Don't you feel like watch? It's inevitable. We got to get to a playoff bubble because okay, there's some fans at some games, but seriously, why take that risk? Why take that risk? AFC Championship game. Also, Ben Roethlisberger test positive and the other Steelers quarterbacks were not wearing masks, and all of a sudden you go, oh, my God, this is pure chaos. Don't you feel like it's inevitable we're getting to that bubble?
1: Well, I'm definitely not buying the whole ratings money convo, but when we get to the playoffs, that is totally different. That's a totally different set of money bags right there. So they, they I don't know if they bubble, but if they do bubble, it's probably going to be a Jerry world or something like that because Jerry Jones just likes to run the league and things like that. You know, they got these big facilities. There's a big hotel next to the practice field or whatnot. So that may be something that's a real life thing. Um, And it's easier to bubble what 14 teams rather than 32 or somewhat. So, so if that's what ends up happening, cool. But you know, like if I break COVID protocols, like find me, like take away a draft pick. Don't make me run out there on national TV and make me look silly. That, that was, that was a big mess.
2: Well, I think that what's probably should happen is between week 17 and where wildcard weekend is currently scheduled. I think you push wildcard weekend and the playoffs back a week. You've already canceled the Pro Bowl uh, that was supposed to be between the conference championship games and the Super Bowl. You let them bubble. You sort of take a week to make sure nobody's positive. So you don't put a positive player into a bubble. Potentially you let 14 teams bubble and you can get through the playoffs with competitive balance as we're talking about.
0: Yeah, you push back a week or two. It's not the end of the world, okay? Listen, everyone knows that right now it's a malleable situation. It's a fluid situation, as people like to say. So, you know what? Push back a week. As you said, Rich, you have buffers in there because there's no Pro Bowl. So, I think they're going to get it done. It's just unfortunate that it's been a little bit messy, particularly this week. You just hope that people are following protocols as strictly as possible. And I think message heard loud and clear. Everyone saw what happened with Denver said, okay, that's not going to happen to me. Got it. We're good. Speaking of got it, we're good. Shame on me. Shame on anybody, Vot, who thought that anyone other than Patrick Mahomes was the MVP. I was singing Russell Wilson's praises after a 5-0 start. Oh, yeah. Russell, the muscle for MVP. Let Russ cook. Are you seeing what's happening with Mahomes right now? Mahomes mania has overtaken everyone. That game against the Buccaneers, the first quarter particularly, that matchup between Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, when your receiver's putting up over 200 yards in the first quarter, you can't cover him one-on-one, and you can't stop Mahomes right now. He is having another remarkable season. I know we don't like to dive into hyperbole, watch, but there's a reason why this guy is such a stud. And every time you watch Patrick Mahomes, he's must-see TV.
1: Well, somebody thought it was a good idea to put Carlson Davis one-on-one with Tyreek Hill with no safety cover. Somebody thought it was a good idea and nobody's gotten fired. So that's just going to be interesting to see how that goes. But Hey, listen, man, as humans, you know, we like to shake things up. We don't, we don't like, you know, the everything is everything, monotony type of deal. We just can't eat chicken every day. So, you know, Pat Mahomes is fantastic. He's incredible. But you know, when you're consuming so much football, we go, Hey, Russell Wilson. You're not just handing the ball off to a running back that looks different. Hey, Kyler Murray, you threw this big hail Mary. That looks fun. Josh Allen. Oh boy. We didn't see Josh Allen coming. So these stories are kind of writing themselves and it gets us excited, but quietly. And I don't understand. I can't fathom how quietly Pat Mahomes is just repeating a best quarterback in the league performance, right? Smoking everybody convincingly. The only game that he lost was against a common opponent, the Raiders. And then he came back and got his lick back. So that's fair there. But Pat Mahomes has been so incredible. He's been so great. And he's, Transforming what we think about quarterback, right? Think about this whole what quarterbacks used to be. They used to be these statues, they used to be these 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 guys that make quick reads, these touch guys, and it'll just be what it is. These cerebral guys. Pat Mahomes is not only cerebral guy, but he's big gangster ball placement, 50-yard downfield guy, right? He's I'm gonna practice my sidearm just so I can have it right when I need it in the game. He's so unconventional. His mechanics ain't pretty, but he's whooping everybody with him, you know, and, and, and we should be, we should be embracing that. We should be giving that man his flowers. Now I know in the back of our minds somewhere, we know that Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league, but stop all this Tom Brady talk, stop all the only other MVP candidate got hurt in week five and that's Rand Dakota Prescott. But besides that, it's a Pat Mahomes league and we just need to embrace it. MVP.
2: Yeah. I, I think that we should not normalize what Patrick Mahomes does. It's not normal. He is so, so good. And I I think that it's, I don't want to compare him directly to Michael Jordan, but you could do this thing where a guy like Michael Jordan or a guy like LeBron or a guy like Kobe could win the MVP in their respective leagues every year uh, when they were at their hottest. The MVP is a narrative award. Through five games of the season, the Seahawks were tearing it up They were 5-0 the chiefs were still figuring themselves out clearly winning not exactly lighting it up but now as the chiefs grab everybody's attention as we get to winning time in the league and one seed time in the league it becomes a sort of coalescing of narrative around who is playing the best after thanksgiving that is going to be the chiefs it sure looks like and it looks like patrick mahomes has already seized the mvp conversation back And we'll probably walk to it unless something else happens. Uh, You know, if the Chiefs win out or or get through the rest of the season with only one more loss and end the season 14-2, and I'm not exactly sure who else you're going to give it to.
0: Yeah, think about the fact that Tyreek Hill, who was an incredible weapon for this Chiefs team, he said he thought Mahomes was trash at his first training camp. That's via inside the NFL. And, and that first half against the Bucs, 359 passing yards. That's the most by a player in the regular season in the last 40 years. Like, anytime you can say, we're talking about something, Bosch, you haven't seen him in 40 years, there's a reason why we get so excited about Mahomes. And you guys were talking about, even when you see his warm-up, even when you see uh, the way that he trains, you know, it's like baseball style, the way he's throwing the ball, like sidearm. Like, you have to practice different methods to get to the level of where he's at. He has so much confidence. He has so much poise, whether he's in the pocket or has to scramble. He always feels like inevitably he's going to make the right play. I just think his game planning is great. His decision-making is strong. There's just such confidence. I feel like it's oozing out of him every time, and it impacts the entire Chiefs team. Well, clearly Tyreek Hill didn't watch very much
1: film at Texas Tech there. But, you know, when you when you watch him, though, and, you know, I'm draft guy, right? So just every so often draft kind of evolves. I think we get smarter watching other teams get better or just watching other teams make mistakes. And once upon a time, there was this big conversation about, well, this is my system and my quarterback has to be able to do this I need this I need that and when you watch Pat Mahomes I can see why you know you know front office people were kind of you know nervous about him right his 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 mechanics weren't the best his foot placement wasn't great this and that you know his elbow pointing was kind of weird you know but when you watch him I called him magic it was it, it was magical some of the things he was doing it's just throwing from different platforms just the ball placement right and in my in, in, in my mind as long as you get the job done that's what matters right so Pat Mahomes, doesn't make it look pretty but if you take this dude with this rocket of an arm I mean I can sit on the 20. 20- on my on my knees and throw the ball to the end zone like if you have that level of arm talent and you can make these magical throws and you have this ball placement and you make backyard football look conventional somehow then you take that dude and you build your offense around him don't make this harder than it has to be because you end up missing that way that's how you end up drafting like josh rosen or something oh josh rosen can run my west coast offense like this this and this but then football evolves from west coast to more of a to more of a spread shotgun look now you're stuck with josh rosen get a guy that can do whatever and then build around them. And I think that's what Andy Reid has done so well.
0: Magic Mike, Magic Mahomes. DeZone. More live football than anyone else. Stream exclusive Premier League and UEFA Champions League. Stream every NFL game, including the Super Bowl. Plus exclusive Red Zone. Showing you every touchdown every Sunday. To zone. Start your free trial at DAZN.com and stream on multiple devices. More live football than anyone else. DAZN. DAZN. All right, let's move our attention from the AFC and Mahomes over to the NFC. What's happening with guards to that final wildcard spot? Because when you look at the teams, and no, we're not going to dive into the NFC at least because it's pathetic and awful and miserable. But when you look at the other teams, you say, all right, even though the Buccaneers are 7-5, and five, lost a couple of games, probably still going to make the playoffs because where is the pressure coming? Where is the other team that's going to leapfrog them? But... What's happening is that there's a little bit of intrigue now towards that final card spot because the Cardinals, they're reeling a little bit. Defense is kind of figuring out Kyler Murray, maybe. Vikings playing a little bit better. They've won four of the last five games since the bye. And how about the 49ers? Yes, they're nomads, okay? It's nomad land right now for San Francisco because they're vagabonds. They don't have a home, but... Maybe they're getting their groove back. General Sherman return. That's right. Richard Sherman, before he torches Atlanta, he already he do a great job against the Rams. Six tackles and one interception. Richard, right now, this final wild card spot in the NFC is actually offering some intrigue these final few weeks of the season.
2: Yeah, and it's because sort of nobody in that wild card race is sort of really taken it by the scruff of the neck, obviously, as the Bucks come back to the pack, so it seems. Uh, the Vikings are a team who we sort of left for dead uh, mid-October but have now reeled off some wins. And there's always a team that does this every year, right, Vach? There's always a team that rips off some wins right around Thanksgiving, and you start to notice, you start to say, hey, they're playing good ball, and they get into playoffs hot, and maybe they make some noise wildcard weekend.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, it 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 does indeed happen every single year. I think last year, like the Titans, right? Like they kind of start off a certain kind of way. They had to get used to Tannehill. Then midseason form happens. You know, Derrick Henry gets about 40 carries. And now they're this playoff team that can beat good teams in the actual playoffs. And I think that's happening. One thing about me, I'm not going to be told. So I'm not going to pat myself on the back. But the Buccaneers are in a weird little situation. If you look at the 49ers. I thought that the 49ers were like kind of bad, but they just have willed themselves like into the fight still like like they're fourth place. Don't get me wrong, but they're like one win behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, they got six losses or something, you know, Tampa Bay got five. So what happens if Tampa Bay, you know, loses two of these next few games here? I think Tampa Bay even plays the Vikings, and the Vikings are in their own comeback mode. So it's, it's just so interesting how this year, in my opinion, where everybody just kind of sucks a little bit, how this year you're this close from having a top 10 pick, but you win three games, and you can stumble into those wins. You can clearly win. However you win those games, just win them. And now you're back into this playoff conversation with the extra playoff team.
0: I think it's interesting. I think it's fun. I love it. Horns are honking right now for Kirk Cousins. He's got 11 touchdowns over his last four games as you're channeling Al Davis and just win, baby. The bottom line is this. For Tampa Bay, there's clearly a disconnect between Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. Will they figure this out this season? Will there be a separation in the offseason? That remains to be seen. But when it comes to front office moves. We saw a couple of moves here made with regards to the Detroit Lions and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Matt Patricia with a number two pencil behind his ear and he's got a laminated sheet. Guy was a disaster. Okay, The Lions, they went nine and seven back-to-back seasons with Jim Caldwell. They said, no, we need an upgrade. We're going to bring in Patricia. Well, Patricia was a mess. The players didn't respect him, didn't like him. Bottom line is the Lions jettisoned not only their coach, but also their general manager who made the decision. And for Jacksonville, Look at David Caldwell's record, and when it comes to the draft, particularly in the first round, the picks just didn't work out, whether it's Jalen Ramsey being dealt, Leonard Fournette didn't work out, Blake Bortles, obviously, Lou Jekyll. Richard, I will see to you, since you are the Jaguars fan, <laughs> your thoughts here. It's, it's rare you find a Jaguars fan, a guy who's passionate about it, but you made a good point in our meeting. The draft is actually better than you think, just in different ways when you look at Caldwell's record. Yeah, when
2: you look at the what happens from rounds three through seven, I think you've said, okay, Dave Caldwell, the scout, and he was a scout with the Falcons before he was GM at the Jaguars. Dave Caldwell, the scout, comes through. You see the scouting prowess. James Robinson is one of the two or three best offensive rookies in the league right now, besides Justin Jefferson and Justin Herbert, and I'm serious about that. He's an undrafted free agent that the Jaguars unearthed. Uh, you're impressed with what Dave Caldwell has done with rounds three through seven the problem is the jaguars have high picks in rounds one through three and whether they're not on the team through base management whether they're not on the team because they did not play well those picks have been bumbled and those picks were bumbled for multiple years now there are other things uh, that were wrong in jacksonville with tom coughlin and and the fact that they alienated some of their good rounds three through seven picks yannick and comes to mind uh there's a lot of other problems in jacksonville but the, da- the deck for a new GM is pretty good right now. You've got a ton of cap space. You're not really tied to anybody on this roster. Uh, the good players that are on the roster are young and on small contracts because they were around three through seven picks uh, or undrafted free agents. And you're probably going to get a top one or two or three pick to go get a quarterback. So if you're a general manager, you have basic carte blanche here to make of this uh, organization what you want as a top decision maker. Shad Khan, for better or for worse, has shown that he will keep decision makers around. Dave Caldwell was in this job for seven years. Now, you take that and then you compare it to the Lions. While the Lions do have the quarterback set with Matt Stafford, what else do they have? There was a flaw in team building in trying to make this Patriots West or Patriots Midwest, I guess I should say. Uh, with both Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn sort of structuring the whole organization like that. Because of that, you've got a defense that tried to play a scheme it could not do in cover one for three years and kept doing it. Paid a lot of defensive pass rushers who can't really rush the passer very well. Don't have any wide receivers tied to any contracts next year. You're going to have to figure that out. But at least you have the quarterback in Matt Stafford. So which would you rather be, I think, is the question. And for me as a GM, I'd rather have carte blanche with a, with a young quarterback Uh, to do what I want and, and make of an organization what I want
1: something i find interesting we talked about this a few weeks ago when do you when do you fire a coach and i think that just comes down to your own personal evaluation right because you can kind of see when a coach is not it but when do we fire gms you know how long do you let a gm rip your team to shreds before you decide to move on from them and i think the weird thing about that is that when you draft these rookies they they're they're like rookies their rookie year aren't who they are their third or, or fourth year right so you need a few classes to kind of get going okay let get two or three draft classes just grow up and just get there three years and we'll see what happens oh we got a first overall pick give me a little more time to keep my job and let's see what this guy does in three years and then next thing you know you've had a bad gm for nine years just tearing your team to shreds and i think that's quite unfortunate
2: yeah you you only get two chances to rebuild the thing and and dave cola arguably may have gotten three
0: yeah Definitely a mess in Jacksonville. Saxonville at least had that one great year. 10-6 and obviously made the playoffs. Anybody on social media saying, I wish I had a Jacksonville Jaguars insider, now you know, Richard Johnson's your guy. You can hit him up for all your questions involving the Jags and the Lions. Well, there's no dance in the streets right now in Motown because that team has a lot of issues. Having said that, we move on to the Browns. And this is a team where you say, put up or shut up. You go, hang on a second. Are the Browns actually gonna make the playoffs? And before we discuss their virtues, I get to Barry Baker Mayfield. Like, this guy's, he's on my TV more than anybody right now. He's on my TV more than Jimmy Kimmel. Another commercial, like, please, enough. Can you actually do anything on the football field besides just be a game manager? Like, I could hand the ball off to Nick Chubb. I could let my defense win games. So let's not get this mistaken. This is not the fabulous Baker boy, obviously, turning this team around. This is the Browns realizing, hmm. We can win as long as Baker Mayfield doesn't shoot us in the foot. We've got a great running game. We've got an outstanding defense, and we got a pretty favorable schedule. So right now we're at 8-3. and three. We can get this done. This is the first time since 2007 they are not going to finish with a losing record. And I'm not trying to diss the dog pound here, Vach. But, yeah, you're probably going to make the playoffs. That doesn't necessarily make you a great team. And, Baker, I'm not going to give you props just yet. I
1: am dissing the dog pound, sir. And then let me just say this right about Baker, just my little growth about Baker. I hated him in his little insurance commercials. I hated his acting or whatnot. But then I saw Deshaun Watson in like an Amazon commercial (laughs) and I hated his acting. I just couldn't stand it. So I was like, you know what? Baker, you all right, man. But I just find it interesting that the Browns have been winning ball games and other teams have been losing theirs. it's, it's, It's interesting. There are plenty of teams this year that are just winning, but I can't really explain how. They've just taken everything away from old baker and they're just playing defense they're just running the football we're gonna chub you to death we're just gonna uh we're just gonna hunt you to death but we're not gonna let baker mayfield tear this thing up and it's interesting because they're treating him like he's a rookie quarterback almost right like they're taking away his responsibility they're gonna run they're gonna play action they're gonna roll him out but they're not gonna let baker mayfield do baker mayfield things it's interesting does that mean that baker mayfield is a bust I don't know. He's just a bustable player that you may be winning with. Uh, Does Baker Mayfield take you out of the quarterback market? Like if you can get a good deal to trade up to get one of the guys this year, would you pass up on that? I don't know. Baker Mayfield may be a really good bridge guy uh, for your young dude, and you just let Baker do Baker things, and then he moves on to another team like the Indianapolis Colts that are going to need quarterback help in the future. I don't know. Um, They're getting it done, but I'm still not prepared to say nice things about the Cleveland Browns, but they've won more games
2: than the Ravens, so what you want me to say? I do think Kevin Stefanski and that staff need some credit for how they have morphed this team, right? Last year, you get the high-price wide receivers, the duo there, uh, and you sort of throw Baker in and you thought it was going to be high-flying or whatever. You were asking Baker to do way too much. This year, they have dialed it back. Now, yes, these are training wheels. I mean, I watched this Browns team on, on Sunday. Uh, they They're only asking Baker Mayfield to do, like, three or four things, really. Now... He is doing those three or four things well. The problem is when it gets outside of that, you have a problem. Now, it doesn't matter against the Jacksonville Jaguars. It will matter the first weekend of January if they are playing a home or a, a, they are playing a playoff game. Uh, and so that's where I think the Browns are in a situation where okay, they've sort of protected Baker Mayfield as much as they can. Uh, and now you try to maximize his, uh, maximize what he's good at, and, and that's what the Browns have been doing well.
0: Yeah, Baker Mayfield's got two touchdowns in his last four games. Okay, That's not elite quarterbacking. Both of those came in Week 12. I will give them credit. I agree with Rich mentioning Stefanski. Also, Callie Brownson, the first woman to coach an NFL position group in a regular season. That's pretty cool and definitely notable. And their next two games are now against the Titans and the Ravens, so perhaps more stiffer competition for Cleveland to see if they are really a legit playoff team. You can put up or shut up. And ultimately, Chubb has been great. 384 rushing yards for the last three games. As Vach said, it's the line of the episode so far. They're going to chub you to death. <laughs> All right, good people. Let's talk some games right now for week 13. How about the Rams and Arizona? You think high-octane offensive Arizona, right? Well, how about Jared Goff's numbers? I mean, last year against the Cardinals, he had 743 passing yards, five touchdowns, and no interceptions. The Rams defense, we know, but they're obviously strong playmakers. And Arizona's come back down a little bit to earth, Rich, after maybe feeling themselves a little bit. Lots of hype around Kyler and company. I feel like this is a big game for Arizona in a divisional game against the Rams. Yeah, Kyler, you don't know if that shoulder is
2: 100%. Right now, they have absolutely come back down to earth. You think about, it, oh, maybe the league sort of figured them out a little bit after getting some film when they were hot. Uh, the Cardinals were a great story. The Cardinals are still in the mix. They're still sneaking around the chicken coop. But yes, have not played well the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's not forget, you know, Kyle is a young guy. This is his sophomore campaign, but it is a nice little sophomore campaign. So we all know that defenses catch up, but what can you do when defenses catch up? Uh, The Rams are going to be problems. Aaron Donald is going to be evil. And it seems like the Rams have really gotten that good groove on offense, right? They've gotten all the running backs going. Cam Akers is emerging, and we're still getting good performances from both receivers. Uh, Reynolds is getting involved as well. Uh, So, hey, if the Rams are going to be the more complete offense
0: offense opposed
1: to just us leaning on Kyler then I guess I'll go
0: Rams yeah and I look forward to seeing this matchup of coaches McVay as good a coach as it gets curious to see what he dials up for his defense when it comes to trying to contain Kyler Murray and obviously Ryan Gosling Cliff Kingsbury terrific offensive mind as well there for the Cardinals next game here fellas New England and the L.A. Chargers, Herbert, listen, it feels like right now, if you tell me which young quarterback do I want, it's not even a question. Herbert, tongue of vailoa or Joe Burrow, I'm taking Herbert. I just wish Anthony Lynn's game planning and decision-making would be better for the Chargers, but be that as it may, they're taking on a New England team right now. Vach, just when you think you want to write off the Patriots, they're still kind of flickering there and still alive in that matchup. New England or the Chargers, what are you looking forward to with this game?
1: Oh, buddy, let me tell you something. I'm going to be consistent. I ain't been wrong yet, okay? The Chargers are going to come out there. They're going to win, win, win. Herbert's going to get his numbers. Uh, uh, Keenan Allen's going to get 20 targets or whatnot. They're going to put all these big points upon the board. Belichick is going to keep things reasonable. Cam Newton's probably going to be terrible. They're going to run the ball a whole bunch, throw it to James White. And the Chargers are probably going to win the majority of the game until we get to the fourth quarter. Three minutes left. The Patriots (laughs) are going to come back and win it. OK, yeah. and then they're going to kick the ball back to back to the charges and something crazy is going to happen. The charge is going to lose it at the end. I have been consistent on that. We're going to keep it that way. I got Patriots.
2: Yeah, the Patriots have been gutting out wins. It's been ugly, but hey, maybe, maybe they're on the right track. Uh, you know, I think they maybe have a little bit too much competition for those wild card spots in the East. It's it's crazy that we're talking about the Patriots and a wild card spot, but that is a whole nother uh that's a whole nother animal. Uh when it comes down to it, Adnan, your point is well taken. If this comes down to a close game, and Lord knows because it's the Chargers, it's gonna come down to a close game anthony lynn or bill belichick god love anthony lynn but which one do you want
1: yeah i hear his degree but rich be careful though don't say it like don't say it like patriots <laughs> are gonna win because they're good well, the charges exactly. are gonna lose <laughs> <laughs> okay
0: okay it's a difference it's, it's a difference yeah. go ahead i'm sure anthony lynn's a great dude but god his decision making and his game planning with minutes to go close game i'm not betting on anthony lynn you can't win with lynn i'll tell you that much right now last game to talk but before we get into some trap games Buffalo and San Francisco, Vach, I want to go to you because San Francisco, they're not playing at home. Home is now going to be Cardinal Stadium in Arizona, but Bill's Mafia, you refuse to give them any love. What do you think? Buffalo, San Francisco, which is in Arizona.
1: This should be a fun game should be a good little back and forth should be a lot of points. It's going to be a lot of football running on the San Francisco. side. And, you know, I don't want to necessarily say something nice about bills mafia, but I think they're going to win this game. I mean, the 49ers are they're on this situation where, okay, we can win without Jimmy and that's probably going to put them into the quarterback market next year. But as of now, I think the bills are more complete. So you'll get nice things from me, bill mafia today, but that may all change next week. Don't lose this game.
2: Yeah, I, I think Vach pretty much hit the nail on the head.
0: Don't lose this game. And that means we go to our (laughs) trap game. Speaking of losing games, this can always get a little bit dicey here. Rich, I can't believe it. The Jets are taking on the Raiders, and you're saying, watch out. Listen, John Gruden... This is a great quote. Talk about the film from that Falcons game, which was an abomination. You ever go to the dentist, have your teeth pulled out? It's pretty much like that. We were starting to drink a little bit of the Kool-Aid here with the Raiders, and all of a sudden they they were just embarrassed against the Falcons. Props to Raheem Morris, Radio Raheem. Four and two since taking over. They've been a different team now that Dan Quinn's out, Morris is in. But do you think potential trap game? you think the Jets might be able to pull off a win against their Raiders?
2: I want to be clear. This is not about the Jets' competence. This is about potentially the Raiders' incompetence, and this is about the Raiders potentially overlooking an opponent and stubbing their toe, because that's what happened on Sunday. Everybody, Raiders reading their own press clippings, everybody saying Derek Carr is playing really well, which he was to that point on Sunday. Everybody's saying the Raiders are gelling, coalescing, fought against the Chiefs, Uh, maybe they've got something here, and then they go out and they put out the performance that they did on Sunday. Now, if they overlook the Jets and put out a similar performance Uh, like they did on Sunday against those New York Jets. Look, it's professional football. And the Jets, the bumbling Jets, even though they are the worst team in this league, with a bullet, it doesn't mean Derek Carr can't throw three picks and the Jets can't find a way to to pull this out against uh, all odds. All
1: right. Rich is on the Santa because he wants the first overall
0: No, hey, (laughs) that's... Come on now. (laughs) So, Vosh, for a potential trap game, you're gonna go with New Orleans and Atlanta. You're loving the Falcons.
1: Common opponent, man. And look, let's let's just be clear. I'm not loving the Falcons, but they did kind of beat up on the Raiders last week. Uh, coaching change, change of culture seems to have brought them back into the positive spirits. And let's just be be clear here: that offense is dangerous. They may not be great on defense, but if you can put points up on this on this uh, this this league that's centered around offense, then you have a shot. And the Saints are like a one seed or something like that. So if this is a common opponent division game type of deal, then we know each other. We know what your weaknesses are. And I think the Falcons, I mean, look, they're losing, and they've done nothing but mess up their draft stock. But they are a good offense still. And if you could put points up on the board, then you have a shot any given Sunday. I'm
0: going fast. All right, potential trap game for me. I'll give some love to the Houston Texans. Deshaun Watson had a great year. Had four touchdowns against the Lions last week. Obviously, this is a team in Indianapolis. They have a great defense, but they're coming off that loss against Tennessee, which was a real showdown game. And unfortunately for the Colts, they lost. So maybe they get tripped up against Houston potential trap game. We'll see when it comes to all the results of week 13. Do not forget when it comes to the rookie diaries, Chase Claypool, light it up for the Pittsburgh Steelers. My latest conversation with him. Hopefully you'll check that out on the zone along with red zone. Fantastic in the zone. Okay, listen, you get seven hours of uninterrupted football action. There's no better way to watch football than with red zone. And there's no better compliment to your fantasy football than by checking out the lineup. That's right. Wesley Chang, Steven Soyos, they not only bring the heat, they bring the hot fire when it comes to all the fantasy advice that you need. Honestly, we're into December, folks. We're getting close to the finish line. So keep it rolling. Give us some love on social media. Tell all your friends. Subscribe, rate, and review. We know Vatch's mom is watching. Let's make sure all of your moms are watching. For vach Lombardi, Richard Johnson, I'm Adam Amber. We'll see you next time.